speak in the name of Jesus, the risen Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Abraham was born in 1913. His parents were immigrants, father from Austria, mother from Poland. Abraham was the first child born in the United States of America, and he was proud. In fact, he didn't want to go by the name Abraham. By the time he was five or six, he insisted on being called Arthur sounded more American. In fact, even better than Arthur was Artie. <laughs> Artie was growing up in the 1920s and things were happy. The future looked bright. People could do anything in this country, just anything. In high school, he realized that he could sell advertisements on the ID cards and rulers at his school and make some extra money for his dad. Artie's dad ran a grocery store in Brooklyn and it was doing pretty well so they moved into a nicer house on a pretty street and he loved it. When the depression hit, Artie's dad lost the store but Artie was already learning how to invent jobs and he worked all the time while going to school. In fact, he would later say that he did not take one day of vacation from the time he was 12 until the time he was 25 years old. He sold advertisements, he delivered flowers, he delivered food, one of his favorite things to do was bringing big bouquets of flowers to the fancy apartment buildings in Manhattan. He said when he stepped over the threshold of those buildings into the gorgeous lobbies, he felt like he was entering a new world. Artie was so bright and so hardworking that he actually bought his dad's grocery store back for his dad complete with an apartment in the back where his dad and mom could live. He put himself through NYU and his two younger brothers and he went on to become a doctor. He was proud to be able to take care of other people. While in medical school, he began to study psychiatry and was fascinated by the way that chemicals impacted the human brain. And after medical school, he took a job as a researcher at a pharmaceutical company where he learned a lot about how to create prescription drugs and what they could do for mental illness. Being also a salesman and into advertising, Artie realized he could create his own business, a pharmaceutical business.
business in which he sold his products to doctors It's not clear when Artie started crossing over the line between advertising and lying. He would later claim that he wasn't sure, that he didn't mean to leave things out. Artie Sackler and his brothers would create Purdue Pharma that became the sale, the company that sold OxyContin, the drug that they claimed would help people with all kinds of pain and was a slowly producing drug so it was not so addictive. But as you know, they weren't telling the whole truth. The Sackler brothers would become billionaires at the expense of hundreds of thousands of lives. Where do you draw the line between truth and falsehood. Do you remember the ancient story of the Garden of Eden? That story has a conversation that takes place between the serpent and Eve. The serpent begins the conversation with a question. Eve has been instructed by God and Adam as well that they are not to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and bad. That's a better translation in Hebrew. But the serpent enters the conversation by posing a question. A question that muddies the water, that confuses Eve, that makes her wonder where the truth lies. The serpent asks this question. Did God really say that you can't eat any of the fruit from any of the trees of the garden? Did God really say that you couldn't eat any of the fruit from any of the trees of the garden? Wait a minute. If God had said that Adam and Eve couldn't eat any of the fruit, they would starve, right? That wasn't what God had said. But the serpent begins by introducing confusion and making Eve wonder what God actually said. Eve says, no, that, that wasn't what God said. God said we can't eat or touch the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and bad that's in the middle of the garden or we'll die. And the serpent says, that's a lie. You won't die. 
you'll become like God. So here we see in this incredible, rich parable about the creation, this strange conversation that calls truth into question. Where is the truth? Who's telling the truth? Will they die if they eat of the fruit? Well, sure enough, after Adam and Eve eat of it, they're expelled from the garden, and yes, human beings do die, don't we? And are we like God? Maybe in some ways, in some ways not. But we do have knowledge of good and bad. We know the difference between the two, and that causes us pain. Now on the night before Jesus died, when he was having supper with his friends, he was trying to explain to them what was going to happen to him, that he was going to die and rise, but that he wouldn't leave them alone. He was going to give them something. And he tries to describe this spirit, this presence of God that will reside within them and reside within you and me. The words that we use are Holy Spirit or paraclete or advocate or Jesus said this was to be a spirit of truth. That as followers of Jesus, we would know the truth. We would be able to discern the truth that this Holy Spirit would help us know what is true and what is not true. Before Jesus is crucified, he's talking to Pontius Pilate and he says, I came to bear witness to the truth. And Pilate, who is so lost, says, what is truth? My friends, in our culture, in which technology is expanding so rapidly and AI, artificial intelligence, is saying things that we no longer know are true or not, it is very important that we remember that we are people who follow a spirit of truth. It is very important that we recognize how to tell the truth and what it feels like and what it looks like when we step outside of the truth. You know, Artie Sackler and Purdue Pharma, they say that more people died from oxycodone or oxycontin and its affiliates than in all the wars combined after World War II. That's how many people died from overdosing from these drugs because these people stopped telling the truth. And our culture is drawn to do that. When we want to make a profit, we want to say what we want something to be as opposed to what it really is, and it's dangerous. 
Nan Golding grew up in a family where they didn't tell the truth. Her older sister was mentally ill, and her parents hid her older sister in institutions, one after another, until her older sister committed suicide. Anne was 14 when her sister died, and so she ran away. She lived on the streets for a while, and she realized that she was really good with a camera. She had this ability, with her pictures, to expose the truth. Nan herself became addicted to oxycodone. She got into rehab, but then went out on the streets and started taking pictures of addicts and what they were going through. Her pictures became famous. They were so stark. They exposed everything. They hung in all the major museums of the world. It was Nan Golding who led the protests at the Metropolitan Museum of Art because they had named a wing after the Sackler family. And she protested Exposing the lie. You know the word in the ancient Greek of the New Testament for truth, althea, means exposure, showing it, bringing it out into the light, bringing it out into the open. You could say that the cross, Jesus hanging naked on the cross, was the ultimate exposure of suffering. And you could say that the judgment at the end, if there is such a thing, that when we die, we will be seen. The truth will be known. There will be no hiding. As mysterious as that all is, I believe that, that God speaks a language of truth. And if we are to follow God, we must learn to trust our instincts and to be very careful I don't mean that you have to tell everyone everything you're thinking all the time, but I do mean that there is a line that we cross sometimes where we start telling things that are not true. And I've done it, and you've done it. It can be as subtle as just trying to please someone. But we need to be careful. Paul says we are inheritors of God's kingdom. We are children of God, children of the truth. More important than whether people like you or how successful you are is whether you are living a truthful life. All will be known and seen in the end. So let us learn with discipline and fortitude to pursue the truth together in this place, in this time, in these precious days.